Hello and welcome to Download, South Africa's newest and most interactive technology news podcast. I'm Brian Smith. Each week I'll be joined by Tenas van Rensburg and together we'll be unpacking the technology news subjects you want to know about. Hello and thank you for joining us on this very first episode of Download. If you didn't catch in the intro, I'm Brian Smith and today I'm joined by the esteemed Tennis van Rensburg and we are unpacking four exciting topics which we'll get to in just a bit. First up though, the question probably on everyone's mind, what is Download? And Download really is your platform with us to explore this very exciting world of technology. Each week we'll be unpacking not only the leading developments in the technology news world, but further what really excites you. Download is a show for you, by you, and we want you to interact with us on a weekly basis to tell us what you want to know in the world of tech. We are talking gadgets, we're talking technology, we're talking science. Whatever you want to know, we're going to discuss that on a weekly basis on Download. Great stuff. We're thrilled you're joining us today, and the first topic we're kicking off on today is something that I'm actually quite excited about, Tennis. I'm not sure what your thoughts are. Perhaps we'll have some back and forth on this. It is Samsung's Galaxy A8 for 2018. Now, we've seen the Galaxy A range come out year on year. It possibly has the most strange naming convention in Samsung history, given that it just gets updated with the year at the, as a suffix every consecutive year. This year, I am rather excited about the Galaxy A8 in particular, because it seems like this, in a sense, is an early spring of uh, the Galaxy S9 to come, and it's more or less in line, really, with the Galaxy S8 of 2017, which I think is a particularly good thing. Price factor yes it's you know it's above the 10,000 rand mark and that is expensive however what interests me about this and I think this is an exciting play from Samsung is that I think this means we might be able to expect quite a premium quite a hefty Galaxy S9 S9 plus to come and I'm not sure really what that means for Samsung because it feels like the company is positioning itself as this ultra premium firm to compete with the likes of Apple's new iPhone 10 what are your thoughts Tennis? Well, first of all, the A8 is making me really excited about the future of Samsung in 2018. I think the Galaxy A8 is probably the only mid-range Samsung that I've been really excited about probably since 2014 that we had the first uh, the first mini model I mean we had the S3 mini that wasn't great the S4 mini was the first one that I really thought was good now now the the A8 looks like such a decent proper mid-range uh, even mid to upper range uh, device and yet you said the price range obviously just above the 10,000 Rand mark it's a lot uh, but at that price, what you're getting, I think, is great. It's a it's a 1080p panel, obviously with a with a 18 to 9 ratio, which is all the rage these days, and we shouldn't expect anything differently anytime soon. And then we've got a, fring- a fingerprint scanner, a proper camera. Um, I mean, this device is properly exciting for anybody that is not in the market for the top of the range. And for us, uh, gadget geeks, it's great to see where we might be going in the future with the S9 because, um, as I said, that fingerprint scanner, this time it's below the camera, which is exactly where we expect it to be in the flagship devices of 2018. So let's talk about two things the A8, in my opinion at least, gets right and two things I think it gets wrong. The first is one you've just mentioned of course, the fingerprint scanner finally seems to have found a relevant home. Hooray! The second thing is, of course, there is no Bixby button, which I find terribly confusing and unnecessary on the S8. So I think these are two key improvements.
improvements. Two things that concern me or otherwise just interest me in general. Uh, where does this leave the Galaxy S9? Does this mean we can expect a Galaxy S9 above the 15K mark again? Does it mean we'll see it in the 16K RAND mark? We don't quite know yet. And, and that sort of interests me how Samsung will play this as a branding exercise. The second point which kind of ties onto that is What's the point of the Galaxy S9 when you have a mid-range phone that's really this big? I mean, sure, the gadget geeks like yourself and myself, Tennis, will go out and want to get the Snapdragon 840 or even an 835, but really, with a phone that looks as good as the Galaxy A8, why do you need to spend more? I completely agree with you. I think the, the A8 is going to be at a very, very difficult space in Samsung's lineup, and not only because it looks like a proper decent mid-ranger just because of that design that they're finally bringing down to not only the flagships but also the, the Galaxy S9 is going to be a very expensive phone uh, I, I don't think we're expecting it to be in the 15 or 16,000 Rand range it's going to be closer to 20,000 Rand um, at least for a, uh, a version with proper storage but what I have found is that a lot of people have a very big aversion to those flagships being so expensive so the question is um, because of the failings of the iPhone 10 and they aren't selling as well as, as Apple thought they would, does that mean that the Galaxy S9 would potentially not push the, push the margins on, on the price um, and kind of bring it down a little bit? I, I, I actually do think that Samsung is going to have a good, good card in the hole and they're going to bring down the price um, in terms of a cash price, obviously. Um, and that might make the A8 a very difficult sell if it's going to be too close to the S9. I don't I don't know what your opinion is on that. I don't know what your opinion is on that. I think it's a very difficult space to play in, as you say, because either way, if the Galaxy S9 is more affordable than we think, and it's 15k or in and around that mark and below 16k. Uh, I think it'll devour the Galaxy A8 hole. There's very little doubt in my mind about that. Conversely, I think the A8 will steal so, um, sales from that. So it, it mystifies me as to what Samsung's thinking is here. And ultimately, I think we'll have to revisit this discussion on February 25th when the S9 is officially announced and we'll be able to give a more cohesive update as to what we can expect. Tienis, I'd like to swing to another phone. Now, this is one I think maybe our listeners might not have heard of, but I've been using it now for about two months and it's really grown a soft spot in my heart where I didn't think one would ever emerge. It's not a soft spot, a hard spot. <laughs> This, uh, this is the Cat S41. If you've seen the memes of the Cat industrial phone with uh, the thermonuclear <laughs> camera that looks like something out of an Avengers movie, this isn't that phone. It's the same rugged design, essentially in a mid-range package. Uh, and I want to explore why I think this is good. Firstly, we have a lot of smartphones these days coming out with uh, premium glass backs, glass fronts, and that definitely leads to fragility, and one doesn't necessarily ever want to drop their smartphone. The second thing is that there's a lot of extra features on Android these days as we've discussed over the past five years that's a continuing trend and for once I've got a phone in my hand right now that is a breath of fresh air I can drop this thing I could drop it from a second story it would survive I'm pretty damn sure you can do it any intake it anywhere and I absolutely love this phone for its firstly its ruggedness and the fact that it has very little frills about it beyond the fact that it just seems indestructible so so Brian I'm going to play devil the devil's advocate here and I want to know how big do you actually think the market is for this kind of phone 
uh, because I think it's minuscule, not even niche. I think it's much smaller than niche. Um, and also, I, I mean, in South Africa especially, that would be, uh, uh, it seems like a suicide mission. <laughs> well, that's an excellent question. And I have a, a rather interesting answer, although I don't really have a conclusive thought yet. But let me let me run through what I'm thinking at least. Is that uh, firstly, in South Africa, South Africans tend to get out and about. We like going to different places, having picnics, going to forests, enjoying our natural surroundings, all the things perfectly natural. Uh, and I think this phone definitely does have a use case, firstly. I think people will like it for its ruggedness. Uh, and some might even be equally turned off by its design. I actually think it's quite endearing in its own particular way. Uh, but expanding on that thought... Interestingly enough, if you look at what Chinese manufacturers are doing, increasingly Chinese manufacturers, specifically I'm speaking at the low end of the market, are coming out with rugged with rugged smartphones in the vein of the same cat phone. And that interests me because obviously there's a sense that there is a, a niche there in the market. How well these devices will sell? I don't ever think particularly well. This is never going to conquer the Galaxy S8 or S9s of the world, nor, it will take, nor will it take on the iPhone. However, I think this has very specific appeal to users out there who need a second phone, need a work phone, or want a phone in which they can turn on and off, even charge another phone with, or take camping with them. No, Brian, I, I completely understand what you're saying. I, I'm not sure the market is there, especially in South Africa and, and, and maybe not in the world. But let's actually go to another world for a while. Uh, we are massive fans of what Elon Musk is doing, both with Tesla and with SpaceX. And... This is a very exciting day because as of recording today on the 6th of February, we will have the first launch of the new rocket that uh, SpaceX has built, the Falcon Heavy. Definitely, and this is mind-blowing simply for the reason I think it has quite a, a significant connotation with uh, the address uh, John F. Kennedy made to the United States back in uh, 19, the 1960s, addressing that, you know, we do these things because they are hard and we will go to the moon. And this, particularly, this, this particular rocket will essentially pave our way back to the moon and also it will contribute to the development of the big effing rocket that SpaceX is, of course, developing, which will one day ferry us to Mars. Now, Tienas, unpacking this in significant what are you expecting from the launch today on recording? Well, I'm just hoping the thing doesn't blow up, to be honest. <laughs> I think I think it's obviously a very, very big day. And, and, and the reason why um, SpaceX's project is so important, not just for exploration of, of space and going back to the moon and even going to Mars, which is Elon Musk's big, uh, big reason for starting the company, I think it goes way beyond that. So first of all, we need to make a space fair as cheap as possible. So SpaceX has already replaced a lot of other very expensive commercial companies that NASA, um, the European Space Agency, and even the Japanese Space Agency use to uh, send uh, not only astronauts, but also uh, satellites to space. It makes it a lot cheaper. And the reason they want to make it cheaper is because that means that it's more accessible, not only for massive uh, corporations and for governments, but for Yes, at the moment, very rich people, but eventually space, tur uh, space tourism will become a thing. So I think 
for us to to make that next step, uh, SpaceX is the only company right now, at least in my mind, that can take us there. Um, it'll it'll make things for NASA a lot easier. Obviously, their budget has been cut significantly by the U.S. government, um, and if we can make those launches uh, to the International Space Station, also launching those satellites um, and new t- uh, telescopes into space, that'll be a massive step forward for for science and for humanity in terms of going forward to Mars and beyond. I think it really speaks to the democracy, uh, the democratization of space. And this is particularly exciting to watch, you know, particularly through throughout uh, 2010 now to 2020 and even beyond that, as we finally look to not first, not only get back to the moon, but also to Mars. And speaking of democracy, there's another advent I wanted to touch on here, and our last one for today on the show, but it's one that's also really, really exciting. Uh, I specifically love this industry and this, this ecosystem of products, is speaking about... Do, do, bringing democracy at least price democracy to drones and perhaps we had a really good example of that just at the start of this year with DJI's release of the Mavic Air which for the uninitiated is a bud more budget more affordable more pocket-sized variant of the standard Mavic drone. Now, Tienis, were you salivating as much as I was watching the launch event and seeing this product emerge? I definitely was, Brian. I mean, I'm a massive, massive fan of drones. I think it's changing so many industries. So, for example, we have filming industries taking up drones in a massive way. It makes producing those kind of films so much cheaper than it did before with those massive cranes that they were using all the time. We get uh, the type of shots we would never have before. I mean, just look at the latest um, series of BBC's Planet Earth 2 and Blue Planet 2. Those things could not have been shot without uh, without drones and, and the great pilots that pilot those drones. Not only that, but we also get things in terms of um, research. So uh, from governments that use drones to actually research what is happening in their environments, in, in, in their uh, ecosystem. So, I mean, the Cape Town government now with, with the water sh- shortage, they've used drones to actually measure much more accurately than before what our water levels are looking like. And they couldn't have done that before cheaply without drones. So the, uh, drones are going to change a lot of industries and are already has and DJI is at the forefront so DJI has been at the forefront mostly because of their photography they've also had very good cameras strapped to to their drones and makes it very easy to fly you also have gestures and and um, very easy mechanics in terms of using that uh, to the best of your ability which is great but now the Mavic Air is kind of a smaller brother of the Mavic Pro which was the first like really professional drone that was kind of affordable for for the every every person the mavic air is now relatively affordable for the every person that really needs to explore that way of doing photography so it's kind of like the uh the spark that we saw uh, maybe six months ago and it, it just takes that idea um, it's a little bit bigger, but it has a great camera in it, um, and it's much easier to to actually use and maintain and to fly. I don't I, I don't know how you think about this, but this was my favorite gadget we saw from CES this year. Most definitely, I would agree with you. And what really excites me is, you know, obviously there are plenty of drones available in the budget and mid range of the market, but quality is really an issue. And DJI is at least a brand that has a history of quality, a connotation of quality behind it. And I'm really excited to see this kind of product hit 
the, you know, the mid-range drone market, so to speak, uh, and at least see a more accessible port of avenue, especially for photographers, than compared to the Spark. So I'm definitely got some saving to do before I get my hands on one of these babies, but uh, hopefully we can one... Yeah, yeah, it's still not cheap. It's still not cheap. It's still definitely not cheap, but uh, hopefully one day we can join a, a specialized edition of Download Recorded by Drone. So tell me, Brian, what do you think is the future for drones in terms of not only in, in the consumer world, but also in the professional world? Uh, the immediate future for drones, I believe uh, the first barrier that we need to break with drones specifically is, of course, uh, the, the price barrier. Uh, people won't get on board, won't be fascinated by this technology or what we can achieve with it until quality drones become available at better prices. I think that's the first thing. The Mavic Air is at least a step in the right direction to address that. Uh, and to touch on your point earlier about drones uh, you know, revolutionizing so many industries, that's an excellent point. I think we can't also discount the impact that drones themselves as an industry will have uh, you know I think at least in 10 years we'll begin to see you know a drone piloting become a, a legitimate recognized authentic profession although it already is I think it'll be something that will probably be more spoken about in schools along with uh, traditional commercial piloting and I think that's really exciting to look forward to because as you say that not only opens up a, a realm of possibility of uh, adventure and just fun but also in terms of the scientific and, and film industries which will be really exciting to watch I think that the likes of uh, nature photography is we're never going to see what we what we did you know five years ago that I think in terms of the way we look at the environment is dead in terms of how those things were being shot before because everything is going to be through drones now they're quiet uh, you don't need to have 10 people around a camera to, to look at species that are endangered. And I think it's, it's the perfect way for us to get to the environment and tell these stories so that our world will be preserved um, for generations to come. And I, uh, for me, that's probably one of the most exciting parts of the drone technology. Thank you very much for listening to the first episode of Download. We always want to hear back from our listeners. We want to know what you want to hear, what you want to talk about, and if there's anything specific, we would love to have you on our show, and we can do it that way. If you want to get a hold of us, there are a few easy ways to do so. You can, of course, drop a line in the comments below, and we'll address your query or your uh, topic in a subsequent episode. Or otherwise, you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I'm Brian Smith, at Brian Smith SA on Twitter. Or you can reach out to Tianus, who is Tianus underscore VR. It's all very technical on Twitter. Thank you very much for joining us on this episode of Download. Remember, you can help us shape our next show, so let us know what you want to hear on the very next episode. You can tweet myself, Brian Smith, on Twitter at BrianSmithSA, or you can hit up TNS at TNS underscore VR. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you again next week.